You're listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. On this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast, I sit down with Joe Sienski, and we have a casual conversation on how AI will impact business owners, when to raise capital, the power of communication and leadership in a business, set in personal goals before business goals, the DISC personality profile, and much more. All right, let's start this week's episode of the Silicon Valley Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Silicon Valley Podcast with your host, Sean Flynn, who interviews famous entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and leaders in tech. Learn their secrets and see tomorrow's world today. Joe. Good to see you. It's been a while. It has been a while. What's new with you and what do you want to talk about today? First of all, welcome back. I was, it was a great journey. I'm not sure for our audience if they knew, but I was in Taiwan, mainland China, and Saudi. Just got back. Wow, that's a nice trip. Yeah. I got to give a keynote speech on artificial intelligence in Wuxi. I got to moderate a panel on profit streams in Saudi. And I got to meet a lot of great entrepreneurs in Taiwan in the blockchain Web3 space. Wow. And I did a factory tour in Foshan, too. Very fun. Hey, what did you learn about? Or, you know, what were you talking about AI? Oh, gosh. I mean, AI. That's a hot topic. AI is in every conversation right now, every conversation in business, no matter what the size of the business, whether it's just I have an idea and I want to implement it, or we're a huge publicly traded company and is this going to disrupt us? So AI is everywhere right now. What do you th- is it going to disrupt? I think it is. I think it already has. I mean, look at the valuations of businesses now. I just gave a, a talk at Microsoft, their campus on mergers, acquisitions, and artificial intelligence. Interesting. And in the panel discussion, some of the topics that came up were, okay, say you're a marketing company with 100 employees. Right. You're doing whatever number in revenue, EBITDA, things look great. AI comes in. Right. The value of your company, you have 100 employees that may have 10, 15 years experience. Now, how valuable is that experience? At one time, you have this barrier of entry that no one else could enter, but now maybe that barrier of entry is no longer there. Maybe 30 of your staff or two-thirds of your staff could be let go, but the margins would get better. But at the same time, maybe the clients are saying, hey, we know you're using AI. You need to reduce these prices. And it cuts back on those margins. Maybe the... The competitive environment, it changes the competitive environment so much too, because now five employees can do what 100 used to. What's even crazier than that, I had a conversation with a a VC and the conversation was, when will we see that first unicorn company that's built by three people? I see it coming. I mean, just imagine how many different software programs out there that you can say, okay, this is our sales team, this is our marketing team, this is our product, this is our ERP. These are all, instead of people or teams, it's just now a, a monthly software subscription. Yes, however, you still need that human component, I think, to kind of, we're, we're running AI with some of our content generation, some of our video, but you still need that human element to say, uh, that's not quite right. True, true. At least today. Yeah. I mean, when your AI doppelganger comes in that has your thought process and your opinions, maybe there. And, and yeah, because you can start programming that in. This is how I want to talk. This is, this is the content I developed. I want it to sound like me. And it starts doing it. Yeah. And one of my biggest fears right now is that person on the other side of the phone call is it a real person or is it an ai generated bot that's 
asking me questions that has scraped all this data about me that's talking about, hey, we went to the same high school together, whatever it is, and me not knowing if it's that real person or not. And does it matter? I don't know. Good that's question. A, Good question. As I was thinking about that the other day, it's like one of, one of uh, in the legal field, somebody got sued for using AI. And you're probably familiar with that. And, and I'm like, does it matter? Because if it's accurate. Gets the results. It gets the results. Does it matter? Yeah, good question. So I, time will tell on that one, right? Yep. So when you're talking to small businesses now, yes, do they ask you, hey, Joe, how do I implement AI into my business? Or are they worried that their small business could be disrupted? Or is, are they so busy with their day-to-day that they haven't even thought of it? Yes, yes, and yes. Okay, so I've got some clients in the marketing space. And my recommendation to them is embrace it, utilize it, because if you don't, someone else is. And if you don't eat your lunch, somebody else is going to. So the strategy for that space is need to embrace it, utilize it, leverage it to create even better content. Now, in other, other spaces, you know, should I be looking at this? Yes, you have to. If you bury your head in the sand, you know what's going to happen. You're going to get ran over. It's, it's, there. it's here. It's probably not going to go away. What businesses are you seeing being disrupted the most with AI? Uh, market content generation, video generation. I, I showed you the, 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 how we're using some of it in the video content uh, generation aspect of things. So content, marketing, videos, uh, it's, it's disrupting that whole space pretty intensely. Yeah. What's even crazier is in the background, how much AI is being used that most of us are unaware of, such as integration processes for mergers and acquisitions, AI being used there, or even for... What does that mean? The integration process, AI acquire your company. And there's going to be steps between the two companies being separate and the companies becoming one. Yes. Right? Teams have to be integrated, sales process be integrated, software, what software are you using? What software are we using? How can we integrate them? That whole transition process. Exactly. And if it's done smoothly, who knows, maybe 90, 180 days, there's this one new entity formed and all those synergies that were thought of in that due diligence process or even before when they were creating, drafting the LOI saying, okay, we believe that by acquiring this company, this is going to be the outcome. All those come to fruition. Now, if the integration process goes terrible, if things are, are, are misplaced or just given up, maybe sales drop like this. Yes. Maybe you got frustrated employees. Maybe all those things that look great on that Excel sheet or whatever doesn't come about. And many people might not get bonuses. Who knows? Or even worse, some people might get let go or there's going to be repercussions to it. So running those processes, seeing it, I mean, it's, right now there's a science behind it and that mm-hmm. science is getting you know, more technologies being implemented in that science. The area that I don't, that I haven't seen an impact is culture. Really? Yes. When I say culture, the culture of the company is looking at mergers. AIs helped streamline things, helped automate, helped that. But the core company cultures it's, it's still there, or at least today from what I'm seeing. I would definitely, there's some things about AI that's really interesting with the culture. Mm-hmm. So I look at 
culture is kind of that decision process in a business where now I'm seeing people using AI as almost like a sounding block for their ideas. So for example, there's um, an investor I know, the founder of Women Invest in Tech, an angel group that's cross-border, Europe, US. And we were talking about a business idea she had. And she went home and used, I believe it was PI.AI, a personal assistant or something like that to draft or just have a conversation with. And she sent me this teen-page transcript of the conversation where she was saying, hey, here's my idea, where are my flaws? Okay, you're being too nice to me. Be more specific in, in pointing out my mistakes or what I missed. And the conversation went back and forth. And at the very end, she had sussed out her idea. It was crazy. And that is just, it's a sounding board almost where it used to be you and me. Now you've got the whole intelligence of AI behind it, which you and I are both pretty smart, but I don't know about. Also, how much nicer is it to have that conversation with that AI bot that you know is not going to tell anyone except for Google, Facebook, and everyone else that it, <laughs> that's connected with governments. But just the idea of, okay, I can have this open conversation with something that's not going to judge me, that's going to give me feedback, and then I can adjust that level of feedback. That's pretty powerful. And that's what I like about it is you can adjust it so easily. It's like, give me more, give me stronger feedback. Don't sugarcoat it. Hit me hard or, hey, soften that up a little bit. And it does it. And it does it well. Yeah. And you're not going to take it personal. You're not going to say, okay, I'm not going to talk to my buddy tomorrow about this. What a jerk. They're halfway through, aren't going to talk about their political beliefs. It's just going to be a nice conversation on that topic. Good to go. Oh, political beliefs. We could go into that one. Oh, we just had holidays, so. <laughs> yeah. The bottom line to me is if you don't embrace AI, at least figuring out whether it works for you and your company, you're going to be, you're going to get ran over. Yeah. I want to, and I believe a lot of people, this might be a good idea. In 2024, block off one afternoon a month to just research the new AI discoveries in your industry and see how they can be implemented. And it's moving fast. I mean, fast. You know, I, I shared a book with you uh, earlier today, and that it's already obsolete. It's moving so fast. In six months. Yes, in six months. Amazing. The bottom line is, if you're not embracing t AI, you're probably going to get ran over. Joe, have you heard of any companies in this new AI craze where someone just had an idea and formed a, a business just overnight or over the weekend? Not completely formed the business, but they developed the entire business plan, marketing plan, sales strategies, put together the financials, everything in one evening. Now, was it polished? No, but it was what would have taken a month was done in one day now. Yeah. It, the, the first time, I, now this has been probably six months when I, that transpired. That's when I said all of my clients must embrace the AI model because it's, it's too good. I have a buddy, a CEO of a funded company right now. He was at the bar with a couple of his buddies. And one of them said a problem he was having. He said, hey, if I built the solution, would you be a customer? And the guy said, sure. That weekend he went home used AI, developed the app, developed the web page, used it for the legal documents, did everything. By Monday, he sold a subscription to that guy. And then also a few other people that he knew that have a similar problem. 
granted, he's not making a ton of money. I think he said he, he's got a thousand in subscriptions, but that's now passive income that's just generated every month as long as the app and everything doesn't break or the subscription. But that's incredible if you think about it, being able to create something like that so quickly, one weekend, good to go. It's going to change a lot of things. And if you're not on the boat, you're going to be swimming. Yep. And what's interesting about that is work once get paid forever. That's the dream. That is the dream. That's the model, right? So it, 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 where is he at now? Oh, he's still focused on his main company. Right. That company's going great. They are on track to be profitable end of Q1, 2024. And then after that, it's off to the races. So where do you see AI as in optimizing things? I see it everywhere. I was going to say the same thing. Going to say the same thing. Well, uh, emails. Emails, great. There was a person I interviewed on my podcast who is using AI to basically take out an entire center chunk of the sales process. Where right now, a sales associate might use 80% of their time doing paperwork, doing all these steps instead of actually selling when selling is maybe just 20% of their time. Right. You get rid of that 80%, and now they're just focused on sales. Think of the productivity increase with that. The productivity and the revenue increase because even you, you keep the same conversion rate, you're putting more time to there. And which podcast was that? And, and where is it? Oh, that? so I'm the host of the Silicon Valley podcast, which is a podcast here in Silicon Valley where I've interviewed entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, leaders in tech. So check it out. Joe, were you ever on any podcast? Oh, yes. I, in fact, well, we did a webinar last night. I've been on many podcasts. I, I enjoy it because... It allows me to share my knowledge that I, we've gained. I've worked with thousands of businesses now. And so many businesses, and you see this, so many businesses crash and burn. And Joe is also on the Silicon Valley podcast. That's what he was probably referencing. That was the best one. There you go. Because that, you talk to the people that are the movers and shakers in Silicon Valley. Sometimes they forget. <laughs> but, but so many businesses crash and burn. Joe, question for you. As an investment banker in that, all I hear, not all I hear, but what I hear a lot is, we need to raise capital. We need to raise capital. What are your thoughts when you hear a company, early stage company, brand new, they've been around a few months, saying, hey, the first thing we need to do is we need to raise capital? First thing I say is run away. I mean, yeah, you do need to raise capital. But so many companies, especially in Silicon Valley, focused on raising money, and that's the goal, versus creating a business. And we see it, or I've seen it so many times. Where, oh, I got the money, but they're not focused on running a business. Running a business is about a profitable enterprise that works without you, which a lot of small you know, startups get going, and they don't have that mindset or that foundation of how to build the business. And it's all about raising money. And to me, that's not long-term success. Now, what do you think the difference is between I mean, can they switch that mindset from I need to raise capital to actually I should be building a business and then if the capital follows, that's a good thing. That's the mindset. And the lean startup, Eric Reese, phenomenal. He talks about, okay, building something, somebody's going to buy, do the adjustments. And guess what? The money will come. Would you invest in somebody that's you know, running with a 40% net margin? And growing? Well, probably. It really depends on the industry, but yeah, yeah, it sounds pretty good. But it's a whole lot better than, hey, I need uh, $250 million to get started. Yeah. For an idea that's not proven, that 
No idea if it's going to work from a first-time founder. And no revenue. It is Silicon Valley, and the, those do it. But you know how the probabilities are so low. Focus, and I tell everybody this, focus on getting clients, generating revenue, making a business, and then the money will come. Well, what's interesting about that process is focusing on getting the clients. You're testing the market to see about the product or the service that you're offering, the demand for it. And so many companies don't do that initial survey of maybe talk to a potential 100 customers to see if, hey, what's the demand for this? Am I hitting my target customer? Is my idea of that customer correct? Or is there a completely different segment, different customer that I should be targeting? And without having those conversations, you're just guessing. Not only the conversations, but getting the money. Because I've done so many focus groups and surveys and everything, and I can get pretty much the answer I want by the question I ask. When it comes down to, oh, I've, I had a client come to me with his business plan, and we're reviewing it, and, he, and I said, how many of them have actually written you a check? They say they're going to. There's a difference between saying it and actually having the money in the bank. And the numbers that I ran were about 20% of the people that say they'll give you money will actually give you money. And the amount they give you is about 30% of what they say they're going to give you. So, and these are just generic numbers, but they're probably pretty close. Okay. So that's someone that's trying to sell their product. They're getting one in five. And of that, one third of the money they thought in, the, in some of these in some of these situations where, hey, what do you think of this? Oh, yeah, I'd pay this much money for that kind of service. Okay, I've got this. What are you actually going to pay for? Oh, somebody else is doing this now. And, you know, the, the, that's the other thing is in these places, the first one that comes out usually gets eaten up by somebody else. What, is, what was the uh, analogy? The, the first mouse gets the trap, the second mouse gets the cheese. <laughs> so it's a game. But as long as you're having fun. What's also interesting about that is, by doing those surveys, doing those tests, getting those initial customers, you can kind of guess, okay, if what I'm actually getting for my product or service is this amount, is that enough to actually fulfill all those bills, all those things that I have to pay to run this business? And maybe right. with your initial numbers, everything pencils out great on those models that you did at home. Right. But then when it comes to real life and you go, wait a second, if customers are only willing to pay this and I have all these other expenses, this business may not be viable. Or I need to pivot or change something, which is okay. I have never seen a business that starts out with their business plan and it goes like this. It doesn't work that way. It's like this. Now, if you keep your goal in mind and focused on it, you will achieve it. But you, it's not going to be a smooth path. Now, for these businesses that... Actually, let me go back. Let me go back. How valuable is it to have to be a founder or an owner of a company that has the open mindset that's willing to make changes as new information comes in. If you don't, you're going to get, you're going to get ran over. There's no, that, that mindset of this is the path. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have issues, problems, and you probably won't make it to the end. Pivoting, not, I don't like the word pivoting because that means mean, it's adjusting. It's just like riding a jet ski. When you get on it, you can't steer it because you're not going anywhere. You start moving, you can steer. And depending on where you're going, it's okay to steer. In fact, embrace that as a strategy. Hey, we're going to adjust at this checkpoint, at this milestone, 
We're going to review where we're at and adjust as necessary. That should be part of your plan to adjust. It's just the way things are. If you're not AI, COVID, and we can go back. What things have changed that are outside of our control and how do we adjust for that? And, and that's a great topic is what's within our control and what's outside of our control. Joe, tell me about the how open a person or a business owner should be to pivoting or adjusting the sales in business. If you're not open to at least adjusting, you're going to get ran over. The world does change. And if we're not changing with it, we're going to be in trouble. Do you see people holding on too long with their ideas? Absolutely, because it's my idea. It's the best idea in the world. Didn't you know that? What happens when they hold on for too long? And you drown. It's like holding a big 100-pound weight trying to swim. You're going to go down. So you, gotta, you need to know when to let go, when to move forward, when to pivot, and adjust. That constant adjustment is what's key. If you're not reviewing things as you're going towards your milestone and adjusting, you're going to get ran over. It's part of the game of business is adjusting as things change that are within your control and outside of your control. You mentioned going towards your milestones. So question one is how do you determine what these milestones are? And then second, how often should you review? Is this every morning at breakfast review or is this every Friday? Is this once a month or is this, okay, it's been a few months, I guess. I'm not sure. Time to review. How do you pick your milestones? How often do you review? Let's break it down because we set the long-term goal, right? And then you break it down into, it could be a five-year goal. You break it down to three one-year goals and those one-year goals broken down to 90-day plans, those 90-day sprints. And those 90-day sprints get broken down to 30 days and those 30 days get broken down to your daily activities. So to some extent, you're reviewing daily, but the bigger ones weekly and then the bigger ones monthly and then quarterly are typically your milestones. Did I hit my milestone or do I need to adjust? It kind of takes 90 days to really do something. You can accomplish a massive amount in 90 days, but it's amazing how little you can get done in one day. Oh, that's true. Now, is, are these reviews for an individual? Are they reviews for a team? Are they reviews for a business? How, so, so typically, my team reviews their individual activities on a daily basis. Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? What do I need to adjust for my time allocations? And then on a weekly basis, it's a team meeting. Okay, how are we doing? What do we need to adjust? And then definitely on a monthly meeting, everyone needs to sync up. So a monthly staff meeting on, okay, where are we at? How do we adjust resources, time, and our objectives? So that monthly meeting, and this is kind of the, the, what we've been using. Now, with changes in technology, with things like AI, I think that's going to get compressed. And I think we're going to go get to, hey, we're going to need to do daily team check-ins because things are changing so fast, those time components are going to compress. That's interesting to imagine that a company, an industry could be disrupted in a day. Yes. And that's some of the technology things that are transpiring today. And if you've got to decide what you have control over and what you don't. And that's a key thing. Question for a business. There's a business whose owner, true story, mm -hmm. they had a backlog of orders for two years. 
and they couldn't keep up with it. And now the company's struggling. Yep. What should they have done? What would be some suggestions for a company in that situation? First, I got to do a quote from my old HP days is more companies die of indigestion than of starvation. And that was one of the one situations that you're talking about. So to me, the easiest thing to do is raise your prices. That's a great, it's like a potentiometer, like a volume control. Raise your prices, guess what? The volume is going to decrease. Increase your prices, you're, to increase your prices, volume decreases. Decrease your prices, volume will typically increase. Just like a volume control. Why do you think sometimes people don't do that? And also, if you want to go into more detail of the indigestion or starvation. Your, your client is a perfect example. You got something great happening and I can't fulfill the orders. I can't get this out. I'm having customer service problems. I'm having, what's these constraints preventing my business from getting to where I want it to go? It's the leadership's job to identify the constraints and put a plan in place to address that constraint. And there's typically one biggest constraint. You've got to fix that first and then go to the next and the next. It doesn't do any good to work on the little constraints if this is the one that's preventing your business. Kind of like a fire hose. The kinks in your fire hose, the biggest kink's the only one that matters, right? Yeah. Otherwise, you're focused at the noise stuff. Biggest kink first. And then you'll start making progress rather quickly. But in this situation, with your client, what is the biggest constraint? Good question. Not my client, just for the record. First uh, contact. Uh, an associate. Associate. An associate. Well, but we see this at uh, the time, and you've got to really be in the business to take a step back. And say, okay, this is where the constraint is. We saw a lot of this with supply chain issues during during right COVID, post COVID. Supply chains put a kink in a lot of things. What were the constraints? What can you do to resolve or minimize that constraint? And the people that did that, those businesses that did that, flourished. The ones that didn't and said, "Oh, nothing I can do about it." Guess what? That's the wrong answer. Joe, how important is it for someone to be able to pivot? when there's internal and external factors or when they're faced with internal or external factors that could impact the business? You've got to be ready to adjust as things change because there are internal factors and there are external factors. Identifying them and then having contingency plans in place to address them. Now, can you plan for everything? No, but you can still plan and say, okay, I've got an idea of how to adjust. COVID hit. Change the world, right? I mean, a lot of businesses couldn't pivot. If you had an in-person business, restaurants really struggled, but a lot of them did survive by pivoting to delivery or adjusting to delivery. Pivot to me means a huge change and, and a full change of direction. So in that case, it probably was a pivot, but there's typically more adjustments. The other one I saw was supply chain issues. Huge. It puts several businesses out of business because they couldn't adjust. There's other, there's almost always another way of doing it if you put the brain share into that. When you have an internal or external, something that's complicating the business or impacting the business, who is best to bounce some ideas off of to come up with a solution? Your mentors. I mean, every, most people have mentors in some fashion or another, whether you know it or not, or identify them as that. There's somebody that you want to talk to and, and bounce it around. 
the other thing that we talked about AI disruptions, you can use AI now to have kind of a, a dialogue with yourself or with the, the bot, but bounce the ideas around because a great idea in your brain, when it comes out your mouth, may be different. We've both experienced that. It sounded really good in my head. So get some advice and talk to experts in the industry. There's more resources out there than you can imagine if you just reach out. And so many people are, not many people are afraid to reach out because they don't want to look like they don't know what they're doing. Guess what? It's, it's a game. Get input, adjust, go down a direction. Am I making progress? Adjust again. You're going to have to adjust as things change. External factors and internal factors. Internal factors could be a disruption in the industry or a key employee decides to take another path. These are all things that will happen at some space or time. You'd mentioned mentors. What type of mentors or advisors should a company have? And does it change as the company grows? Absolutely. And first of all, you've got to have a mentor that you feel comfortable with. And you're not afraid to say whatever's on your mind because that open, honest communication where it's comfortable, like, like you and I talking, we're not afraid to say something stupid. It's okay. It's not necessarily stupid. You're not, we're not afraid to have that dialogue. Your mentors should be there and it should be somebody. I like this one. Don't take advice for somebody you wouldn't trade places with. There's <laughs> always my son he, he comes to me and says, oh, someone told me this. And, and I ask him, how much money do they have in the bank? How many businesses have they had? Where are they at? And so if it's not somebody that's been there, done that, you may not take, want to take advice from, you probably don't want to take stock market advice from somebody that's broke. Question on that. Right now, so many people get advice from YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. How do they know how real or legit or if this information is of quality or not? And you just mentioned if you want to trade places with a person, don't take their advice. But how do you even know these people are real? You could do your due diligence, of course. But when you're gathering information, you don't get it from one data point. Okay, so as you're putting things together, multiple data points, if they all point to the same bullseye, it's probably the right direction. If, you're, if it's all over the place, you need to do some additional data gathering. What I found out is over the years, as you start looking at things and getting suggestions, they all kind of end up in the very, very close similar spots. And that's probably the direction you should be going. That's interesting, the fact that when you think of algorithms, you think of all these, they take huge samples of data to, to cipher it down, to pinpoint that information that they want. And yet people aren't doing that with all this content on YouTube and social media. They're not looking at all these sources and filtering it down. That's right. It's, you've been in my office, you see all the books that we have. <laughs> A lot of those books say exactly the same thing. So. That's probably a good direction. Now, I'm going to counterdict that myself, is a lot of people say if everyone's going that direction, you probably want to go the other direction. So there's a difference between advice and following in the crowd. When should someone take action on something they hear? So say they read a book or 20 books on a topic. When is it time to take action? That's a great question. To me, when you're not ready. Because if you wait till you're ready, 
it's too late. There's a window of opportunity for almost everything. And hitting that window of opportunity is typically critical. So what is that window of opportunity? I don't have a crystal ball and I can't see the future, at least not today anyway. So take action as soon as you can. If that's the direction you're going, test it, measure it, and then decide on how to uh, adjust as you're moving forward. If you wait till you're ready, it's going to be too late. There's many authors out there, 5 a.m. club and this that says you got to wake up early to get stuff done, to be productive. What are your thoughts from experience of working with so many business owners of the start the day off right mentality? I love it because to me, you know, starting the day off right, getting things moving. But I also know a lot of very successful people that work all night and sleep half the day. So I think it's your own biorhythms that you've got to analyze, your own cycles. We all have our own cycles. Some people are more thought, have, have better thinking in a different time of day. It's okay. The key to me is understanding your own biorhythms and leveraging that. I've got clients that work better in the morning. I got some that don't even, aren't functional till 10 a.m. That's okay. Embrace that. Understand it. I don't know if you need to necessarily change it to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning, but try it and see. It's, it's an experiment. You know, what's going to work for you may not work for me. What's going to work for me may not work for you. So you've got to figure out what works best for you. Now, does that also go with how to manage and run a company? Yes, to some extent. Now, there's some best practices, of course. But if, you've got, if you're a, a high D modality, you're going to manage different than a high S. This is that disk profile. So understanding your personality and your teams and how to communicate best. It's not, I think it's more about communication than anything. Here's an interesting thing. The cause of all anger is missed expectations. Interesting. Okay, go tell me more. So, so we think about that. I got angry because so-and-so did this. So-and-so did this because I thought that's what they were supposed to do. And you were expecting them to do something else. So it's that missed expectation that causes the anger. By better communication, we minimize the misset expectations or the miscommunicated expectations. That's interesting. My wife expected me to bring home flowers. I forgot. I didn't. She got angry. Missed expectations. Or... I didn't expect her to bring flowers. She expected it. She's angry. Or I expected this. It didn't happen. It's my expectations that are misset or not accurate. But when our expectations are in alignment, we minimize that anger and that we're in synergy and synchronization to make things happen more effectively and efficiently for the company. Kind of cool, huh? Makes you think. It, it does. And, and, and all of a sudden you start going, how much communication training have we had? Joe, how much communication training should a business owner have? I'm going to say a lot, but a lot's a relative term, right? So it definitely personality profiling, communication training, and feedback. 360 feedback are a great way to improve yourself because you, we, don't see, we, don't, we don't necessarily see ourselves the way we think we see ourselves. It's like whenever you, the first time you heard your own voice on a recording, what did you say? To be a, a radio star. That's what, no. The first time I heard my voice, I was shocked. That's right. It doesn't sound like you think it sounds like. By recording ourselves, we hear what other people are hearing instead of what's in our head. 
So by doing some of those things, recording yourself, listening to what you're saying from another perspective. Stephen Covey talks about looking at things from different perspectives and changing your perspective. This is another key factor as a leader. You've got to understand the different perspectives, the different communication styles, the diversity within the organization. And if you don't have it, you're missing out on a power that is so powerful by bringing those different thinking modalities together. With that, would you say the best leaders are the best communicators? I'd say a lot of them or have a team that can communicate to the rest of the organization. You don't have to be great at everything, but know what you are great at and put the team to, to balance you out. So I know some brilliant people that were terrible communicators, but when they put their team together, they put somebody on the team that was a great communicator and could get the message out in a manner that resonated with the entire team. You don't have to be great at everything. Know what you're good at and then put the right people in place to achieve your objectives. How would you know who to bring in to complement your communication? First of all, you have to analyze what's your strengths, what's your weaknesses, where are you good at, what you're not good at, and then define what you need to bring balance to the team. So a lot of new business owners hire people like themselves, and then you've got a bunch of the same thing. I think it was maybe Abraham Lincoln or somebody says, if I want everybody to think like me, I'll just make all the decisions myself. And it's true. So hire people that are not like you, that are almost the opposite to get that different perspective and understanding whether you're using DISC or Myers-Briggs or whatever personality tool you want to use. They're all very similar in my mind, but understanding that different personalities, how people communicate and your strengths and balance it out put that team together to, to achieve your objectives. Does your communication style change over the life of the business? Not only does it change over the life of the business, it changes with the situation. So let me give you an act. Give an example. Tell a story. If the, a fire started right now, we would all go into a high D modality of, let's get out of here now. D modality. What is and, Oh, so in the disc profile, it's driver, the outgoing, task-oriented, let's get stuff done modality. Let's say you're working with, with a team that you need a little extra explanation. That's kind of a, a steady modality. You don't want to go too fast. No big changes. Steady as she goes. And that's a high S steady modality. A high I was the influencer. Let's have fun. Let's, you're traditional sales type personality. And then your high C is you're calculating or cautious. Let's make sure everything's done exactly right. You need all of those in the team or you have to kind of adjust to bring that to the organization. So tell me about the DISC profile because that, Myers-Briggs, that we hear these terms all the time. I'm not sure if I've ever actually talked to a startup here in Silicon Valley that has broken down their team into the different communication styles or personalities. So for founders out there that are listening. It, 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 this is why I kind of like this. It's easy to teach and easy to implement. Uh, there's a lot of them out there. I, I'm almost agnostic. I, I use this because it's easy for, to teach and implement. But one of the things I do is I take the disk, the disk squares, D, I, S, and C, and I actually have the business owner say, okay, where is this person? And look at the team and how balanced they are. I had one client that 
was a high D. And as he started out, he hired a bunch of high Ds around him. And so you had a lot of conflict and people were arguing with each other and not necessarily getting things done. Okay, we need to bring in some other personality styles to balance things out. And I see this, especially with startups, when they get going, they're going to put people around them that are kind of like them. What I've seen work the best is put people around you that are almost the opposite of you. Is it going to cause some tension? Absolutely. Is it going to create balance? Yes. How do you get through that tension? Communication. We just talked about that. If you've got the same goals and objectives in mind, you chunk up to that. Hey, we can disagree. Okay, but this is our overall goal. This is where we want to get to. Everyone agree on that? Yes. Okay. Now we can move forward. So this is called chunking up, chunking down. If you're not agreeing on something, you chunk up. Okay. We both, we all want this. Does everyone agree? Yes. Okay. Then you can start chunking down to, okay, where do we have that negotiation or where do we have that? We need to make a decision on how to move forward. Understand why we're making the decision. Not everyone's going to agree. That's okay. But everybody's got to be on the boat. So chunking up, chunking down. That's one way to facilitate communication to get a solution. Are there other... Understand the different personality styles and how they communicate. Also understanding visual, auditory, and kinesthetic learning styles. Tell me about that. Okay. Some people think in pictures, visual learners, auditory learners. And you hear what I'm saying. They learn auditorily. And then kinesthetic learners learn by doing. So... Telling a kinesthetic learner what to do, it's like Charlie Brown. Show them what to do and then let them do it. That's the way that they learn. Some people learn by auditory. I can sit there and listen to an audio book. I got it all. Some people, not at all. Visual learners like to watch and see what's happening. We all have some of that in us, but we typically have a style that, that is our, our main learning style. And there's tests you can take to learn on that. So when we understand those different learning styles, we'll actually change our communication. See what I mean? Does that sound right to you? Feel what I'm saying? I know what you just did right there. You gave an example of each one. Isn't that interesting? Yes. And and when we, it's just a, it's a matter of understanding. When we understand that there are these and then we'll recognize it and we'll actually change our communication style to get the response we want. And that's what communication is. It's a lack, it's lack of rapport. How do we build rapport and communicate better? So you have the disk. You have the learning modalities. Yeah. Can you combine those two for the most efficient, ultra-efficient communication? You have to. That's the key is understanding the, the personality profiles, the communication methods, and then adjusting your communication style to communicate better with them. I love this one. They weren't listening. (laughs) It's not that they weren't listening. You weren't communicating in a way that resonated with them. So you, as communicators and leaders, it's our job to change our communication styles to communicate more effectively with our audience. Now, you try to go hire everybody. It's not going to work that way. As a communicator, it's our job to adjust to them. That's why a lot of presenters use multiple modalities, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, where they can engage the audience. Speaking of presenters, how would you give her talk to 
the corporation to maybe the shareholders to the a large group how would you because in that room is going to have some of everyone so you put some of each one of those communications into this is why teachers whenever they use the whiteboard or the chalkboard or video you're engaging visual auditory and then if you can do the exercise kinesthetic all three learning styles into your educational platform but the teacher they wouldn't know the disc assessment of every student would they you can identify disc pretty quick would you like me to give you an example i'm scared but okay you can tell whether someone is outgoing or reserved correct yes you can tell whether someone's task oriented or people oriented yes that's all you have to remember okay now does that mean that it's they're inside this box no everybody has all of this but understand whether they're outgoing or in task-oriented, that's a D, outgoing, people-oriented, I, reserved, people-oriented, S, and reserved, task-oriented, C. It's that simple. And then visual, auditory, and kinesthetic learning styles. Visual people have a tendency to look up and talk fast because they're thinking in pictures and their mouth can't quite keep up with their, with their thinking. Auditory, people have a tendency to speak in a nice, tone, tonality, that's very easy to listen to. And kinesthetic, people have a tendency to look down like they're looking inside themselves because they have to feel it. That's just a little bit. There's more to learn. And we have that all in our learning system, the brainshare.us, like you and me, baby, the system where these are some basic communication skills that every leader should have. Right now, and I've not heard this, for accelerator programs to have a component in them of communication. Do you think that would be very valuable for accelerator programs, not just to focus on sales and marketing, but to focus on communication leadership, leadership they have? But it's a foundation. Communication is a foundation for sales, for leadership. Communication training and understanding is what everything else is built upon. If you don't understand that, how are you going to, you're only going to be communicating with people that are like you very well. Understanding this is critical for sales, for marketing, for a team building, for teamwork, for hiring, for fire. Everything goes back to some level of communication. If you're a bad communicator, how do you make yourself a good one? How about practice? When you first started driving your car, were you very good at that? Hey, we all, right? It's funny you say that. We just ended up, my wife just got her driver's license. So I know what the last few months have been like. So So you mean that there was some practice that had transpired to get good at it? Yes. Yes. Communication is the same. It takes practice. Now, if you're just not good at it, you need to practice to get at least sufficient. But you might never be a great communicator. Bring somebody on the team when it's appropriate. That is. Understanding your strengths and bringing balance into the team is critical. Do you have to be able to communicate at some level? Absolutely. So that basic level of training is great. But this is, I'm going to go off on a little tangent about our educational system. Because education comes from education, which means to bring out, not shove in. And when we identify somebody that's good at something, and really focused on that, they can become great at it. But if they're not good at it, no matter how hard you try, they're probably just going to get to be okay. Put some energy on the, the, the basics, 
but really focus on what you're good at and then become exceptional at it. And that's my recommendation from a personal, professional, everything standpoint, understanding what you're good at and become great at that and let other people do what they're great at. What happens if that thing you're good or great at is going to be replaced by AI? Then it's time to pivot (laughs) or time to look at other opportunities. Opportunities are like buses. There's one coming by every 15 minutes. You just got to figure out which one to get on. There is, I don't think of anyone that I've ever said, I have no opportunities. You just haven't sat down and put it together. There's opportunities everywhere you look. The ones that say there are no opportunities are the ones that aren't looking and don't have that growth mentality. What do you think of that growth mentality, that abundant mindset in business? Because some people get that shiny shiny light syndrome and they're pivoting, looking every direction. Let's talk about that because I've got a couple of cool things that might be relevant. First of all, focus. Follow one course until success. So if you've got your goal set and you move in that direction, it doesn't mean you don't stop looking, but you're not pivoting all the time because you know that what that goal is. So avoid SOS, shiny object syndrome. Oh, there's money there, money there, money there. Okay, focus. Here's where we want to go. Okay, what's going to get me there? So putting that plan together helps keep that focus. Does that mean you, you don't do adjustments? Yeah, you do adjustments. But every shiny object, if you've got really good focus, you're going to move them out of the way pretty quick. What happens if your co-founder has SOS, shiny object syndrome, but you don't? You're the focus person, and that leads to confrontations. Or balance. Depends on how we look at it. So there may be real opportunities that if you're not looking around with some of that SOS, you might miss. But too much of it is you're not focused on your core objective and getting there. So actually having that two balance is extremely powerful. If you look at some of the best teams in the world, they, they thought very differently. Jobs, Wozniak. Wow, what two diff- completely different styles of everything. But it provided balance. Hewlett and Packard. I mean, you go to any great team, they were probably opposites. But that's what brought the balance and the, the team to a single objective. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So if you haven't had some level of communication training, get some. If you're going to do public speaking, get some public speaking training. There's a lot of great free resources out there or minimal cost. Toastmasters. I mean, we've probably both been through Toastmasters at some space in time. The understanding the personality profile, whether it's DISC, back, or DISC, bank, or there's Myers-Briggs, and there's a lot of them out there. It's better to pick one and go forward versus trying to pick the best one. I have this conversation a lot. Which is the best one? Guess what? The best one today is probably not going to be the best one tomorrow. Things are changing so fast. Pick one, move forward, and then adjust. Hesitation and waiting is waiting for some like waiting for somebody else is like going backwards. Is another one I like. So pick one, move forward, and adjust as you go. You're probably going to need to change in a year or two anyway. That's just the way the world is. Speaking of changing, say a year or two from now, you've written out all these milestones to hit. Yes. Now there's that front wind and you have to adjust the sail. That's right. Do you now have to make changes to all those milestones that you've written out for the next three or five years? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It really, 
doing that conscious evaluation with the team or your mentors or even yourself, at least having that conversation is key. So many people don't plan their life or their business. And I'm going to go to life first because why do we have our business? To support our life. Isn't that interesting? But more people spend more time, some people spend more time focused on their business than they do what they want to achieve in their life. Our businesses are there to provide the things that we want out of our life. Your vacations, your cars, your, what do you want? And then you build the business to achieve that. At least that gets you the motion going. I've been setting goals since I was 14 years old. And I've never achieved one of my five-year goals. Do you know why? Because they keep changing. That's right. You get going for a direction. You're like, you know what? I really don't think I want to do that. And, and you move over here. Oh, yeah. And that's okay. Whose goals are they? They're yours. Who can change them? You can. When can you change them? Anytime your wife allows it. That's right. <laughs> that's a good way to stay married. And people don't necessarily embrace it. I, I was doing one the other day. And this thing says, what happens if I don't hit my goal? I'll be depressed. I'm like, it's your goal. You can adjust it. That is an excuse for not setting your goals. And anytime you've got blame, excuses, denial, just stay in bed. <laughs> and I see that. And denial means don't even know I'm lying to myself. Yeah, a lot of good acronyms. And that's easy for me to remember that way. So, it's, you know, if you're, and how many times do we see people that are blaming or making excuses or don't even, are just denying they're where they're at? Get that ownership of where I am, accountability and responsibility. And then you've got the or to get you where you want to go, like a paddle. And in some context, everything that happens to us, with us, by us, we have some level of responsibility. That's interesting. So you should have your life goals written out first before the business goals. Isn't that absolutely yes? You're, you are uh, personal goals first, and then you develop the business to achieve your personal goals. And it's fun. If you're doing your business for what? Why would you? Running a business is the hardest thing you will ever do. It is so much easier to go get a job. It's, I, don't, I, I can't count, especially that first three years are tough. If you're not prepared for it, it's okay. Maybe you should go get a job. That's okay. It's up to you. It's your personal decisions. Nobody else's. I, you know, I hear this, oh, you should go do this. You should go do this. You don't know what they should do. You're not inside that person's brain. You don't know everything that's happened to them or with them or where the way they're thinking. They may want to consider that. What they should do is up to them. It's their decision. And if you know, use some tools for decision making, you're going to make a decision and you're going to go, oh, you know what? At that space and time, that was the best decision with the information I had. And, and you're not going to look backwards. Looking backwards is just a waste of energy unless you're learning to move forward. With that, how forgiven should people be to leaders or I don't want to say politicians or anyone of power when they say, okay, this is what I think today. What I think today is different than what I thought a few years ago. Should we actually expect that or de demand that? But you should demand that because things change. COVID changed a lot of things where you might have said one thing one day and then, hey, we should all get together and do and have the synergistic team meeting. COVID hit. Guess what? 
Probably not a good idea anymore, right? So things are going to change and actually saying and saying, hey, you know what? I was wrong. I'm human. That's powerful. Because we, I don't know anybody that hasn't made a mistake. I made a lot of a mess when I get to do what I do. Because <laughs> I've learned, I hopefully I've learned from them. We're all going to make mistakes. We're human. That's part of the, it's part of our DNA is the, the way we learn. Embracing that, okay, now there's another one that's manipulative and conscious that says, I'm going to say this to get them to think that, but I'm doing this. That's not okay. That's manipulative or flat out, what's the right word? Deceiving. That's not okay. Not okay in my book. In the politician's book, it might be okay, but not in mine. So say you've had one of these epiphanies and you say, oh, we're going to do this now. We're going to change. How would you then communicate that to the team? To get them to go from one direction to the other. First of all, you've got to, it doesn't make, does make sense. And different leadership styles, some are authoritative, say, we're going to go down this path, come with me or get off the boat. That's okay. And that leadership style works to some extent. And the military works really well. <laughs> we're going this way, we're going. In other environments, it may not work so well. But that communication on this is where we're going and why is most people will buy into, oh, Makes sense. We all think in a similar manner. To achieve this goal, we, we need to do this. Can we do this? Can we do this? Yeah, there's other options, but this is the way we're going to go. And everybody gets on board and moves forward. That communication process is key. Because if one person gets out of, yeah, have you ever watch a flock of birds? And when they're flying all in unison, you're very efficient. Now, if one bird gets a little out of whack, the efficiencies drop substantially for the entire flock. So the leader's job is to keep everyone flying in formation. What's the best way for an employee to communicate an idea to the boss? I don't know if there's a best way or worst way. There's a lot of other variables there. But to me, what works the best is open, honest communication. And what helps is understanding their communication style, their goals and objectives, and their personality profile, because then you can put things in a manner that is up to them. And if it helps them achieve their goals, it's even better. Joe, this is an amazing interview. If anyone wants to find out more information about you, what you're working on, what's the best way about doing it? Uh, uh, brainshare.us or brainshare.pro. We've just rebranded a little bit. And my LinkedIn profile, or just give us a call, 408-899-6737. And we'll be happy to chat with you about your business, where you are, and how to get you where you want to go in the fastest, most expedient manner. Fantastic. And my name is Sean Flynn. I'm an investment banker focused on the mid-market, mergers, acquisition, growth capital, secondaries. Connect with me on LinkedIn. And when you want to know more about what we're doing on this show, check out the Silicon Valley Podcast website. And with that, Joe. The awesome. So there you go. Because it is one of my podcasts that, are, that we, that's a must. There you go. And thank you for helping the universe, sir. Thank you as well for sharing your knowledge and wisdom and acronyms with everyone. Thank you for listening to the Silicon Valley Podcast. To access our resources, visit us at thesiliconvalleypodcast.com and follow our host on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Sean Flynn SV. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional.